0: Hello, and welcome back to the I Love Sea podcast. This is the end of 2021. And to celebrate, here is a compilation of all the one part stories that have been shared since May of this year. If you want to check out some of the other stories such as Alice in Wonderland or The Little Mermaid, the compilations for those stories are also available. I wish you a very happy new year in 2022 and remember that your sleep is super, super important and the I Love Sleep Podcast works to make sure that you have a comfortable sleep. In 2022, we are so excited to share some new content with you. These are all the original clips, so they'll have the same introductions and greetings and the same sound recordings. I hope you enjoy this compilation of the I Love See podcast stories. There once was upon a time, a poor widow who only had one son named Jack and a cow named Milky White, and all they had to live on was the milk the cow gave every morning, which they carried to the market and sold. But one morning, Milky White gave no milk, and they didn't know what to do. What shall we do, what shall we do, said the widow, wringing her hands. Cheer up, mother, I'll go and get work somewhere, said Jack. We've tried that before, and no one would take you," said his mother. We must sell Milky White with the money to start a shop or something. All right, mother," says Jack. It's market day today, and I'll soon sell Milky White, and then we'll see what we can do. So he took the cow's halter in his hand, and off he started. He hadn't gone far when he met a funny-looking old man who said to him, Good morning, Jack. Good morning to you, said Jack, and wondered how he knew his name. Well, Jack, and where are you off to? said the man. I'm going to market to sell our cow here. Oh, you look the proper sort of chap to sell cows, said the man. I wonder if you know how many beans makes five. Two in each hand and one in your mouth, says Jack, as sharp as a needle. Right you are, says the man, and here they are, the very beans themselves, he went on, pulling out of his pocket a a number of strange-looking beans. As you are so sharp, says he, I don't mind doing a swap with you, your cow for these beans. Go along, says Jack, wouldn't you like it? Ah, you don't know what these beans are, said the man. If you plant them overnight, by morning they grow right up to the sky. Really, says Jack, you don't say so. Yes, that is so, and if it doesn't turn out to be true, you can have your cow back. Right, says Jack, and hands him over Milky White's helter and pockets the beans. Back goes Jack home, and as he hadn't gone far, it wasn't dusk by the time he got to his door. Back already, Jack, said his mother. I see you haven't got Milky White, so you've sold her. How much did you get for her? You'll never guess, mother, says Jack. No, you don't say so. Good boy. Five pounds? Ten? Fifteen? No, it it can't be twenty. I told you you couldn't guess. What do you say to these beans? They're magical. Plant them overnight and... What, says Jack's mother? Have you been such a fool, such an idiot, as to give away my milky white? the best milker in the parish, and prime beef to boot, for a set of paltry beans? Take that, take that, and take that, and for your precious beans, here they go out the window, and now off with you to bed. Not a sip shall you drink, and not a butt you shall swallow this very night. So Jack went upstairs to his little room in the attic, and sad and sorry he was, to be sure, as much for his mother's sake as for the loss of his supper. At last he dropped off to sleep. When he woke up, the room looked so funny, the sun was shining into part of it and yet all the rest was quite dark and shady. So Jack jumped up and dressed himself and went to the window. And what do you think he saw? Why? The beans his mother had thrown out of the window and into the garden had sprung up into a big beanstalk, which went up and up and up till it reached the sky. So the man spoke truth after all. The beanstalk grew up quite close past Jack's window, so all he had to do was open it and give a jump onto the beanstalk, which ran up just like a big ladder. So Jack climbed, and he 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 climbed, climbed till at least he reached the sky. And when he got there, he found a long, broad road going as straight as a dart. So he walked along, and he walked along, and he walked along, till he came to a great, big, tall house. And on the doorstep, There was a great, big, tall woman. Good morning, Mum, says Jack, quite polite-like. Could you be so kind as to give me some breakfast? For he hadn't had anything to eat, you know, the night before, and was as hungry as a hunter. It's breakfast you want, isn't it? Says the great, big, tall woman. It's breakfast you'll be if you don't move off from here. My man is an ogre and there's nothing he likes more than boils broiled on toast. You'd better be moving on or he'll soon be coming. Oh please mom, do give me something to eat mom. I've had nothing to eat since yesterday morning and really truly, I may as well be broiled as die of hunger. Well, the ogre's wife wasn't half as bad after all, so she took Jack into the kitchen and gave him a chunk of bread and cheese and a jug of milk, but Jack hadn't half finished these when thump, 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 the whole house began to tremble with the noise of someone coming. Goodness gracious me, it's my old man, said the ogre's wife. What on earth shall I do? Come along quick and jump in here." And she bundled Jack into the oven just as the ogre came in. He was a big one, to be sure. At his belt, he had three calves strung up by the heels, and he unhooked them and threw them down onto the table and said, "'Here, wife, bring me a couple of these for breakfast. Ah, what's this I smell?' Fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind this bones to make his bread. Nonsense, dear, said his wife, you're dreaming, or perhaps you smell the scraps of that little boy you liked so much for yesterday's dinner. Here you go, and wash and tidy up, and by the time you come back, your breakfast will be just ready for you. So off the ogre went and Jack was going to jump out of the oven and run away when the woman told him not. Wait till he's asleep, says she, he always has a doze after breakfast. Well, the ogre had his breakfast and after that he goes to a big chest and takes out a couple of bags of gold and down he sits and counts till at last his head began to nod and he began to snore till the whole house shook again. Then Jack crept out on tiptoe from his oven as he was passing the ogre one of the bags of gold under his arm. And off he pelters till he came to the beanstalk and then he threw down the bag of gold which of course fell to his mother's garden. And then he climbed down and climbed down till at last he got home and told his mother and showed her the gold and said, Well mother, wasn't I right about the beans? They are magical, you see? So they lived on the bag of gold for some time, but at last they came to the end of it. And Jack made up his mind to try his luck once more up at the top of the beanstalk. So one fine morning, he rose up early and got onto the beanstalk. And he climbed, 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 till at last he came out onto the road again and up to the big, tall house he had been to before. There, sure enough, was the great big tall woman standing on the doorstep. Good morning, Mum, says Jack, as bold as brass. Could you be so good as to give me something to eat? Go away, my boy, said the big tall woman, or else my man will eat you up for breakfast. But aren't you the youngster who came here once before? Do you know that very day? My man missed one of his bags of gold? That's strange, mum, says Jack. I dare say I could tell you something was about that, but I'm so hungry I can't speak till I've had something to eat. Well, the big tall woman was so curious that she took him in and gave him something to eat, but he had scarcely begun munching as slowly as he could when thump, thump, thump. They heard the giant's footstep, and his wife hid Jack away in the oven. All happened as it did before. In came the ogre as he did before, said fee, fi, fo, fum, and had his breakfast of three boiled oxen. Then he said, wife, bring me the hen that lays the gold eggs. So she brought it, and the ogre says, lay. And it laid an egg of all gold. And then the ogre began to nod his head and to snore till the house shook. Then Jack crept out of the oven on tiptoe and caught hold of the golden hen and was off before you could say Jack Robinson. But this time the hen gave a cackle which woke the ogre and just as Jack got out of the house he heard him calling, Wife, Wife, what have you done with my golden hen? and the wife said, why my dear? But that was all Jack heard, for he rushed off the beanstalk and climbed down like a house on fire. And when he got home, he showed his mother the wonderful hen and said lay to it, and it laid a golden egg every time he said lay. Well, Jack was not content, and it wasn't very long before he determined to have another try at his luck there up at the top of the beanstalk. So one fine morning, he rose up early and got onto the beanstalk, and he climbed and he climbed and he climbed and he climbed till he got to the top. But this time, he knew better than to go straight to the ogre's house. When he got near it, he waited behind a bush till he saw the ogre's wife come out with a pail to get some water, and then crept into the house and got into the copper. He hadn't been there long when he heard, thump, 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 as before, and in came the ogre and his wife. Fee, fie, Fo fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman, cried out the ogre. I smell him, wife, I smell him. Do you, my dearie, said the ogre's wife, then if it's that little rogue who stole your gold, the hen that laid the golden eggs, he's sure to have got into the oven, and they both rushed to the oven. But Jack wasn't there, luckily, and the ogre's wife said, there you go again with your fee-fi-fo-fum, why well, of course is the boy who you caught last night that I've just broiled for your breakfast. How forgetful I am, and how careless you are not to know the difference between live and dead after all these years. So the ogre sat down to the breakfast and ate it, but now every now and then he would mutter, well I could have sworn, and he'd get up and search the larder and the cupboards and everything, only luckily he didn't think of the copper. After breakfast was over, the ogre called out, wife, wife, bring me my golden harp. So she brought it and put it on the table before him, then he said, sing and the golden harp sang the most beautifully, and it went on singing till the ogre fell asleep and commenced to snore like thunder. Then Jack lifted up the copper lid very quietly and got down like a mouse and crept on hands and knees till he came to the table. When up he crawled, caught hold of the golden harp and dashed with it towards the door. But the harp called out quite loud, master, master, and the ogre woke up just in time to see Jack running off with his harp. Jack ran as fast as he could and the ogre running after and would soon have caught him. Only Jack had a start and dodged him a bit where he knew where he was going. When he got to the beanstalk the ogre was not more than 20 yards away when he suddenly saw Jack disappear and when he came to the end of the road he saw Jack underneath climbing down for dear life. Well, the ogre didn't like trusting himself to such a ladder, and he stood and waited, so Jack got another start. But just then, the harp cried out, Master, Master. The ogre swung himself down onto the beanstalk, which shook his weight. Down climbs Jack, and after him climbed the ogre. By this time, Jack had climbed down and climbed down and climbed down till he was nearly home. So he called out, mother, mother, bring me an axe, bring me an axe, and his mother came rushing out with an axe in her hand. But when she came to the beanstalk she stood stock still with fright, for there she saw the ogre with his legs just through the clouds. But Jack jumped down and got hold of the axe and gave a chop at the beanstalk which cut it half in two. The ogre felt the beanstalk shake and quiver, so she stopped to see what was the matter. Then Jack gave another chop with the axe, and the beanstalk was cut in two and began to topple over. Then the ogre fell down, and fell down, and fell down, and the beanstalk came toppling over. Then Jack showed his mother the golden harp, and with what showing and that selling the golden eggs. Jack and his mother became very rich, and he married a great princess, and they lived happily ever after. Hello. My name is Rain, and today I'm going to be reading you one of the most cherished fairy tales of all time. Beauty and the Beast. Once upon a time, a young prince lived in a shining castle. One cold night, an old beggar woman arrived, offering him a single rose if he would let her take shelter from the cold. But because of her ugliness, he turned her away. Suddenly, she changed into a beautiful enchantress. To punish the prince, she turned him into a terribly ugly beast. Then she gave him a magic mirror and the rose, telling him it would bloom until his twenty-first year. To break the spell, he must love another and earn that person's love before the last petal fell. In a small village nearby, A beautiful young woman named Belle hurried through town. She greeted the people and then rushed to her favorite shop, the bookstore. The owner gave her a book as a gift. A dreamy look crossed Belle's face. It's my favorite. Far off places, daring sword fights, magic spells, a prince in disguise. Oh, thank you very much. Belle rushed outside, reading as she walked. As Belle walked, a handsome hunter named Gaston ran after her. Belle, the whole town's talking about you. It's not right for a woman to read. It's about time you got your nose out of the books and paid attention to more important things, like me. Belle tried to get away without being rude, but Gaston's friend LeFou joined them and began to insult Maurice, her father, who was an inventor. My father's not crazy, he's a genius. As Belle spoke, an explosion boomed from her father's house, so she started to run. At the house, Belle found her father and told them what the villagers were saying about him. They think I'm strange, Papa. Don't worry, Belle. My invention's going to change everything for us. We won't have to live in this little town forever. Belle's father got on his horse named Philippe and set off for the fair with his new invention. Belle waved, goodbye, good luck. But soon the horse was lost in a dark, misty forest. As Maurice paused to look around, he saw two yellow eyes staring out of the darkness. It was a wolf. The horse jumped up and ran away. Terrified, Maurice ran through the forest with the wolves behind him. When he reached a tall, heavy gate, he dashed inside, slamming the gate on the wolf whose sharp teeth snapped at his leg. Still trembling, Maurice turned to see a huge, grand castle. Hello, I've lost my horse and I need a place to stay for the night. Of course, sir. You are welcome here. Maurice turned around. He could see no one. Then he looked down and saw a big wall clock with a cold, frowning face. Beside him was a smiling candle stand. Maurice grabbed the clock and examined it. This is impossible! Why, you are alive! The enchantress had turned all the prince's servants into household objects. As the Walcock protested, the candle stand led Maurice into the sitting room. There, he met a friendly teapot named Mrs. Potts and her son, a cute teacup named Chip. Suddenly, the door opened. A voice boomed, there's a stranger here. Maurice jumped out of his chair. In the shadows was a large, ugly figure. Please, I need a place to stay. I'll give you a place to stay. The beast grabbed Maurice and pulled him out of the room. Back home at the cottage, Belle heard a knock at the door and opened it. Gaston, what a pleasant surprise. Belle, every girl in town would love to be in your shoes. Do you know why? Because I want to marry you. Gaston, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry, but I just don't deserve you. As Gaston was leaving, he tripped and fell in the mud. When Belle looked out, she saw that the villagers had come together, hoping to see a wedding. The priest and all Gaston's friends saw him lose face. After the villagers and an angry Gaston left, Belle ran outside to feed the chickens. There she found her father's horse, alone. Philippe, what are you doing here? Where's Papa? The horse made some light sounds. Frightened, Belle jumped onto Philippe and returned to the mysterious forest. Soon they found a castle. What is this place? Then she saw her father's hat on the ground. Belle hurried inside the gloomy castle and wandered down the wide, empty corridors. Papa, are you here? It's Belle. No one replied, but Belle didn't know that the enchanted things had seen her. With joy, the candle stand danced around the wall clock. Don't you see? She's the one. She has come to break the spell. Without noticing them, Belle continued to search for her father. Finally, Belle discovered Maurice locked in a tower. Papa, we must get you out of here. Suddenly, she heard a voice from the shadows. What are you doing here? Belle gasped. Please let my father go take me instead. You would take his place? Belle asked the voice to come out into the light. She was horrified when she saw the huge, ugly beast. To save her father, Belle agreed to stay in the beast's castle forever. The beast pulled Maurice out of the castle and threw him onto a carriage that would take him back to his home in the town. There, he entered a tavern where he saw Gaston surrounded by his friends. Please, I need your help. A horrible beast has locked Belle in a dungeon. Does it have cruel, sharp teeth? One villager joked. Maurice grabbed the man's coat. Yes, yes, will you help me? We'll help you, old man. Gaston and his pals threw the inventor out. But Maurice's story gave Gaston an idea. At the castle, Belle nervously followed the beast upstairs. He paused for a moment. The castle is your home now, so you can go anywhere you like except the west wing. Belle stared back. What's in the west wing? You must not go there. It's forbidden. The beast opened the door to her room. You will join me for dinner. That's not a request. After the beast left, Belle threw herself on the bed. I'll never escape from this prison or see my father again. That night, Belle refused to eat with the beast. Instead, She crept downstairs to the kitchen. All the enchanted things gave her food and entertained her. The wall clock agreed to take her on a tour. Belle halted beneath a dark staircase. What's up there? Nothing, absolutely nothing of interest in the West Wing. But when the wall clock wasn't looking, Belle slipped away and ran up the staircase to a long hallway with broken mirrors. She slowly and carefully opened the door and entered a dark, dirty room. On the floor was broken furniture, torn curtains, and grey, broken bones. The only thing that was living was a rose, shining from under the glass bowl. Enchanted, Belle lifted the cover and touched one soft pink petal. She did not hear the beast enter the room. I warned you never to come here. The beast walked towards Belle. Get out. Get out. Terrified by his anger, Belle turned and ran. She pushed past the wall clock and the candle as she fled the castle. Promise or no promise, I can't stay here another minute. She found Philippe, the horse, and they galloped through the snow until they met a pack of angry, hungry wolves. Terrified, the horse stood up and Belle fell to the ground. When Belle tried to defend Philippe, the wolves attacked her. Suddenly, a large paw pulled the animals away from her. It was the beast. As Belle tried to get to her feet, the wolves turned and attacked the beast. When the fight ended, the surprised wolves ran away and the beast collapsed, wounded. Belle knew that this was her chance to escape, but when she looked at the fallen beast, She could not leave him. Here, lean against Philippe. I'll help you back to the castle. Meanwhile, in the town, Gaston and Fou were plotting to have Maurice put in a madhouse unless his daughter, Belle, agreed to marry Gaston. Back at the castle, Belle cleaned the beast's wounds and thanked him for saving her life. Later, she was quite surprised when he showed her a beautiful library. I can't believe it. I've never seen so many books in all my life. The Beast smiled for the first time, then it's yours. That evening, Miss Potts and the other objects watched as Belle read a story to the Beast. They were filled with hope that the Beast and Belle would fall in love. Gradually, the mood in the castle began to change. Belle and the Beast rode together, ate together, and played together in the snow. They even had a snowball fight. When Belle watched the big, funny-looking beast try to feed some birds, she realized that he was kind and gentle, something she hadn't seen before. In turn, the beast started to hope that Belle would begin to care for him. He tidied his room, bathed, and dressed up for the evening. He was overjoyed when Belle taught him how to dance. That evening, the beast asked Belle if she was happy. Yes. I only wish I could see my father. I miss him so much. There is a way. The beast showed Belle the magic mirror. In it, she saw her father lost in the woods, ill from his search for her. When the beast saw the unhappy look on Belle's face, he decided to let her go, even if it meant he would never be a human again. Before Belle left, he gave her the magic mirror. Take it with you, so always have a look "'to remember me.' "'Heartbroken, the beast watched Belle "'climb on Philippe and rode away. "'When she found her poor father in the forest, "'Belle took him to the college "'so she could nurse him back to health. "'But as soon as they arrived, "'a tall, thin man knocked on the door. "'It was Mr. Doc. "'He had come to take her father to the madhouse. "'LeFou had convinced the villagers "'that Maurice was crazy "'because he was always talking about some terrible beast.' "'No, I won't let you.' Belle blocked the way. Gaston put his arm around Belle. "'I can clear up this little misunderstanding. "'If you marry me, just say yes.' Belle showed them the beast in the magic mirror. "'He's not ugly and cruel. "'He's really kind and gentle.' "'Enraged,' Gaston shouted. "'She's as crazy as the old man. "'I say we kill the beast.' The mob of villagers went to the castle, locked Belle and her father in the cellar, and looked for the beast. As the villagers fought the enchanted things, Gaston forced the beast up to the castle roof. He beat the beast who didn't even try to resist. Get up, or are you too kind and gentle to fight back? In the meantime, Chip had helped Belle and Maurice escape from the cellar. When the beast saw Belle, he grabbed Gaston by the throat. But his love for Belle made him too human. He let Gaston go and looked at Belle. Without warning, Gaston stabbed the beast in the back. The beast roared. Gaston stepped back and fell off the roof to his death. Wounded, the beast gazed at Belle before he collapsed. She ran to him and held him in her arms. No, please, I love you. The rain began to fall gently. Slowly, the beast opened his eyes, and in astonishment, she watched his paws change into hands. He held them out to Belle. Belle, it's me. Belle hesitated and then looked into his eyes. It's you. The prince drew her close and kissed her. Then they watched happily as Cogsworth the wall clock, Lumiere the candlestand, Chip, Mrs. Potts, and all the other servants once again became human. True love had finally broken the spell, and everyone danced for joy. The end. Hello, my name is Rain, and today I'll be reading another cherished fairy tale, Sleeping Beauty. Once upon a time, there lived a king and queen who were very unhappy because they had no children. But at last, a little daughter was born, and their sorrow turned to joy. All the bells in the land were rung to tell the glad tidings. The king gave a christening feast, so grand that the like of it had never been known. He invited all the fairies he could find in the kingdom there were seven of them, to come to the christening as godmothers. He hoped that each would give the princess a good gift. When the christening was over, the feast came, before each of the fairies placed a plate with a spoon, a knife, and a fork, all pure gold. But alas, as the fairies were about to seat themselves at the table, There came into hall a very old fairy who had not been invited. She had left the kingdom fifty years before, and had not been seen or heard of until this day. The king at once ordered that a plate should be brought for her. He could not furnish a gold one, such as the others had. This made the old fairy angry, and she sat there muttering to herself. A young fairy who sat near overhead heard her angry threats. This good godmother, fearing the old fairy might give the child an unlucky gift, hid herself behind a curtain. She did this because she wished to speak last and perhaps be able to change the old fairy's gift. At the end of the feast, the youngest fairy stepped forward and said, The princess shall be the most beautiful woman in the world. The second said, she shall have a temper as sweet as an angel. The third said, she shall have a wonderful grace in all she does or says. The fourth says, she shall sing like a nightingale. The fifth says, she shall dance like a flower in the wind. The sixth said, she shall play such music as was never heard on earth. Then the old fairy's turn came. Shaking her head spitefully, she said, "'When the princess is seventeen years old, "'she shall prick her finger with a spindle, "'and she shall die.' "'At this all the guests trembled, "'and many of them began to weep. "'The king and queen wept loudest of all. "'Just then the wise young fairy came "'from behind the curtain and said, "'Do not grieve, O king and queen, Your daughter shall not die. I cannot undo what my elder sister has done. The princess shall indeed prick her finger with a spindle, but she shall not die. She shall fall into a sleep that will last a hundred years. At the end of that time, the king's son will find her and awaken her. Immediately, all the fairies vanished. The king, hoping to save his child even from this misfortune, Commanded that all spindles shall be burned. This was done, but it was all in vain. One day, when the princess was seventeen years of age, the king and queen left her alone in the castle. She wandered about the palace and at last came to a little room in the top of a tower. There was an old woman, so old and deaf that she had never heard of the king's command, set spinning. What are you doing, good old woman? asked the princess. I'm spinning, my pretty child. Ah, said the princess. How do you do it? Let me see if I can spin also. She had just taken the spindle in her hand when, in some way, it pricked her finger. The princess dropped down on the floor. The old woman called for help And people came from all sides but nothing could be done. When the good young fairy heard the news she quickly came to the castle. She knew that the princess must sleep a hundred years and would be frightened if she found herself alone when she awoke. So the fairy touched her with a magic wand all in the palace except for the Queen and King. Ladies, gentlemen, pages, wedding maids, footmen, grooms in the stable, and even the horses. She touched them all. They all went to sleep just where they were when the wand touched them. Some of the gentlemen were bowing to the ladies. The ladies were embroidering. The grooms stood currying in their horses. The cook was slapping the kitchen boy. The king and queen departed from the castle giving orders that no one was to go near it. This command, however, was not needed. In a little while, there sprang around a castle a wood so thick that neither a man nor beast could pass through. A great many changes take place in a hundred years. The king had no other child and when he died, his throne passed to another royal family. Even the story of the sleeping princess was almost forgotten. One day, the son of the king, who was then reigning, was out hunting, and he saw towers rising above a thick wood. He asked what they were, but no one could answer him. At last, an old peasant was found who said, Your Highness, Fifty years ago, my father told me that there is a castle in the woods where a princess sleeps, the most beautiful princess that has ever lived. It was said that she must sleep there for a hundred years, and when she would be awakened by the king's son. At this, the young prince determined to find out the truth for himself. He leapt from his horse and began to force his way through the wood. To his astonishment, the stiff branches gave way and then closed again, allowing for none of his companions to follow. A beautiful palace rose before him. In the courtyard, the prince saw horses and men who looked as if they were dead, but he was not afraid and boldly entered the palace. There were guards, motionless as stone, gentlemen and ladies, pages and footmen some standing, some sitting, but all like statues. At last the prince came to a chamber of gold, where he saw upon a bed the fairest sight one ever beheld, a princess of about seventeen years who looked as if she had just fallen asleep. Trembling, the prince knelt beside her and awakened her with a kiss. And now the enchantment was broken. The princess looked at him with wondering eyes and said, Is it you, my prince? I have waited for you long. So happy were the two that they talked hour after hour. In the meantime, all in the palace awakened and began to do what he was doing when he fell asleep. The gentlemen went on bowing to the ladies. The ladies went on with their embroidery, The grooms went on currying the horses, the cook went on slapping the kitchen boy, and the servants began to serve the supper. Then the chief lady in waiting, who was ready to die of hunger, told the princess aloud that the supper was ready. The princess gave the prince hand, and they all went into the great hall for supper. That very evening, The prince and princess were married. The next day, the prince took his bride to his father's palace, and there they lived, happily ever afterward. Hello, my name is Rain, and today I will be reading you a story called the Golden Bird, by the Brothers Grimm. A certain king had a beautiful garden, and in that garden stood a tree which bore golden apples. These apples were always counted, and about this time, when they began to grow ripe, it was found that every night one of them was gone. The king became very angry at this, and ordered the gardener to keep watch all night under the tree. The gardener set his oldest son to watch, but at about 12 o'clock he fell asleep, and in the morning another of the apples was missing. Then the second son was ordered to watch, and at midnight he too fell asleep, and in the morning another apple was gone. Then the third son offered to keep watch, but the gardener at first would not let him, for fear some harm would come to him. However, at last he consented, and the young man laid himself under the tree to watch. As the clock struck twelve, he heard a rustling noise in the air, and a bird came flying that was of pure gold, and it was snapping at one of the apples with its beak. The gardener's son jumped up and shot an arrow at it, but the arrow did the bird no harm only it dropped a golden feather from its tail, and then flew away. The golden feather was brought to the king in the morning, and all the council was called together. Everyone agreed that it was worth more than all the wealth in the kingdom, but the king said, One feather is of no use to me, I must have the whole bird. Then the gardener's eldest son set out and thought to find the golden bird very easily, And when he had gone but a little way, he came to a wood, and by the side of the wood he saw a fox sitting, so he took his bow and made ready to shoot at it. Then the fox said, Do not shoot at me, for I will give you good counsel. I know what your business is, and that you want to find the golden bird. You will reach a village in the evening, and when you get there, you will see two inns opposite to each other one of which is very pleasant and beautiful to look at. Go not in there, but rest for the night in the other, though it may appear to you to be very poor and mean. But the son thought to himself, what can such a beast as this know about this matter? So he shot his arrow at the fox, but he missed it, and it set up its tail above its back and ran into the woods. Then he went his way, and in the evening came to the village where there was two inns, where in one of them people were singing, dancing, and feasting, but the other looked very dirty and poor. I should be very silly, said he, if I went to the shabby house and left this charming place. So he went into the smart house, and ate and drank at his ease, and forgot the bird and his country too. Time passed on, and as the oldest son did not come back, and no tidings were heard of them, the second son set out, and the same thing happened to him. He met the fox who gave him the good advice, but when he came to the two ends, his eldest brother was standing at the window where the merrymaking was, and called him to come in. And he could not withstand the temptation, but went in, and forgot the whole bird and his country in the same manner. Time passed on again, and the youngest son too wished to set out in the wide world to seek for the golden bird. But his father would not listen to it for a long time, for he was very fond of his son, and was afraid that some ill luck might happen to him also, and prevent him from coming back. However, at last it was agreed he should go, for he would not rest at home. And as he came to the wood, he met the fox, and heard the same good counsel. But he was thankful to the fox, and did not attempt his life as his brothers had done. So the fox said, Sit upon my tail, and you will travel faster. So he sat down, and the fox began to run, as they went over stalk and stone so quick that their hair whistled in the wind. When they came to the village, the son followed the fox's counsel, and without looking at him, went into the shabby inn and rested there all night at his ease. In the morning the fox came again and met him as he was beginning his journey and said, Go straight forward till you come to a castle before which lie a whole troop of soldiers fast asleep and snoring. Take no notice of them but go into the castle and pass on until you come to a room where the golden bird sits in a wooden cage. Close by stands a beautiful golden cage. But do not try to take the bird out of the shabby cage and put it into the handsome one. Otherwise, you'll regret it. Then the fox stretched out his tail again, and the young man sat himself down, and away they went over stock and stone, till their hair whistled in the wind. Before the castle gate all was as the fox had said, so the sun went in and found the chamber where the golden bird hung in a wooden cage. and below stood the golden cage and the three golden apples that had been lost were very close by it then he thought to himself it would be a very droll thing to bring away such a fine bird in this shabby cage so he opened the door and took hold of it and put it in the golden cage but the bird set up such a loud scream that all the soldiers awoke and they put him in prisoner and carried him before the king the next morning the court sat to judge him and when all was heard, it sentenced him to die, unless he would bring the king the golden horse which had ran away swiftly as the wind, and if he did this, he was to have the golden bird given him for his own. So he set out once more in his journey, sighing and in great despair, when on a sudden his friend, the fox, met him. You see now what has happened on account of you not listening to my counsel, I will still, however, tell you to go find the golden horse, if you will do as I bid you. You must go straight on till you come to the castle where the horse stands in his stall. By his side will lie the groom fast asleep and snoring. Take away not the golden one that is close by it. Then the sun sat down on the fox's tail, and they went over the stalk in stone till their hair whistled in the wind. All went all right, and the groom lay snoring with his hand upon the golden saddle. But when the son looked at the horse, he thought it was a great pity to put the saddle upon it. I will give him the good one, said he. I am sure he deserves it. As he took up the golden saddle, the groom awoke and cried so loud that all the guards ran in and took him as prisoner and in the morning he was again brought to the court to be judged and was sentenced to die. But it was agreed that if he could bring the beautiful princess, he should live and have the bird and horse given to him for his own. Then he went his way very sorrowful, but the old fox said, Why did you not listen to me? If you had, you would have carried the bay, both the bird and the horse yet I will once give away more counsel. Go straight on, and in the evening you will arrive at the castle. At twelve o'clock at night, the princess goes to the bathing house. Go up to her and give her a kiss, and she will let you lead her away. But take care you do not suffer her, and to go and take leave of her father and mother. Then the fox stretched out his tail, and so away went over stock stalk and stone until the hare whistled again. As they came to the castle, all was as the fox had said, and at twelve o'clock the young man met the princess going out to the bath and gave her the kiss, and she agreed to run away with him, but begged with many tears that he would let her take leave of her father. At first he refused, but she wept still more and more, and fell at his feet, at least he consented. But the moment that she came to her father's house, the guards awoke and he was taken prisoner again. Then he was brought before the king and the king said, You shall never have my daughter unless in eight days you dig away the hill that stops the view from my window. Now this hill was so big that the whole world could not take it away. And when he worked for seven days and had done very little, the fox came and said, Lie down and go to sleep. I will work for you. And in the morning he awoke and the hill was gone. So he went merrily to the king and told him that it was removed and he must give him the princess. Then the king obliged to keep his word and went away the young man and his princess. And the fox came to him and said, We'll have all three, the princess, the horse, and the bird. Ah, said the young man. That would be a great thing, but how can you contrive it? If you will only listen, said the fox, it can be done. When you come to the king, and he asks for the beautiful princess, you must say, here she is. Then he will be very joyful, and you will mount the golden horse that they are give to you. And they put out your hand to take leave of them, but shake hands with the princess last then lift her quickly onto the horse behind you, clap your spurs to his side, and gallop away as fast as you can. All went right, then the fox said, when you come to the castle where the bird is, I will stay with the princess at the door, and you will ride in and speak to the king. And when he sees that it is the right horse, he will bring out the bird, and you must sit still, and say that you want to look at it, to see whether it is the true golden bird, and when you get it into your hand, ride away. This too happened as the fox said. They carried off the bird, the princess mounted again, and they rode onto a great wood. Then the fox came and said, pray kill me and cut off my head and feet. But the young man refused to do it. So the fox said, I will at any rate give you good counsel Beware of two things, ransom no one from the gallows, and sit down by the side of no river. Then away he went. Well, thought the young man, it is no hard matter to keep that advice. He rode on with the princess, till at least he came to the village where he had left his two brothers. And there he heard a great noise and uproar. And when he asked what was the matter, the people said, Two men are going to be hanged. As he came nearer, he saw that the two men were his brothers, who had turned robbers. So he said, Cannot they in any way be saved? But the people said no, unless he would bestow all of his money upon the rascals and buy their liberty. Then uh, he did not think to say about the matter, but paid what was asked, and his brothers were given up, and went on him towards their home. And as they came to the wood where the fox first met them, it was so cool and pleasant that the brothers said, let us sit down by the side of the river and rest for a while to eat and drink. So he said yes and forgot the fox's counsel and sat down on the side of the river. And while suspected nothing, they came behind and threw him down the bank and took the princess, the horse and the bird and went home to the king, their master and said, All this we would have won by our labor. Then there was great rejoicing made, but the horse would not eat, the bird would not sing, and the princess wept. The youngest son fell to the bottom of the river's bed. Luckily, it was nearly dry, but his bones were almost broken, and the bank was so steep that he could no find no way out. Then the old fox came once more and scolded him for not following his advice. Otherwise, no evil would have befallen him. Yet said he, I cannot leave you here, so lay hold of my tail and hold fast. Then he pulled him out of the river and said to him, as he got upon the bank, your brothers have set watch to kill you, and if they find you in the kingdom. So he dressed himself as a poor man and came secretly into the king's court and was scarcely within the doors when the horse began to eat and the bird began to sing, And the princess left weeping then he went to the king and told him all the brothers roguery and they were seized and punished and he had the princess given to him again after the king's death he was heir to the kingdom a long while after he went to walk a day in the wood and the old fox met him and besought him with tears in his eyes to kill him and cut off his head and feet and at last he did so, and in a moment the fox was changed into a man and turned out to be the brother of the princess who had been lost a great many, many years. The end. Hello, my name is Rain, and today I'll be reading you a classic fairy tale called the Twelve Dancing Princesses. There once was a king who had twelve beautiful daughters. They slept in twelve beds, all in one room. And when they went to bed, the doors were shut and locked up, but every morning their shoes were found to be quite worn, though as if they had danced in all night and yet nobody could find out how it happened, or where they had been. Then the king made it known to all in the land that if any person could discover the secret and find out where it was that the princesses danced all night, he should have the one he liked best for his wife, and should be king after his death, but whoever tried and did not succeed after three days and nights should be put to death. A king's son soon came. He was well entertained, and in the evening was taken to the chamber next to the one where the princesses lay in their twelve beds. There he was to sit and watch where they went to dance, and In order that nothing might pass without his hearing it, the door of his chamber was left open. But the king's son soon fell asleep, and when he awoke in the morning, he had found that all the princesses had been dancing, for the soles of their shoes were full of holes. The same thing happened the second and the third night, so the king ordered for his head to be cut off. After him came several others, but they all had the same luck, and lost their lives in the same manner. Now chance that an old soldier, who had been wounded in battle and could fight no longer, passed through the country where the king reigned. And as he was traveling through a wood, he met an old woman who asked him where he was going. "'I hardly know where I am going, or what I had better do,' said the soldier. "'But I think I should like it very well to find out where it is the princess's dance, "'and then in time I might be a king.'" "'Well,' she said, "'that is no very hard task.'" only take care not to drink any of the wine which one of the princesses will bring to you in the evening, and as soon as she leaves you, pretend to be fast asleep. Then she gave him a cloak and said, as soon as you put that on, you will become invisible, and you'll be able to follow the princesses wherever they go. When the soldier heard all this good counsel, He determined to try his luck. So he went to the king, and said he was willing to undertake the task. He was as well received as the others had been, and the king ordered fine royal robes to be given him. And when the evening came, he was led to the outer chamber. Just as he was going to lie down, the eldest of the princesses brought him a cup of wine but the soldier threw it away all secretly, taking care not to drink a drop. Then he laid himself on his bed, and a little while began to snore very loud as if he was fast asleep. When the 12 princesses heard that he was laughing heartily, the eldest said, this fellow too might have done a wiser thing than lose his life in this way. Then they rose up and opened their drawers and boxes and took out all their fine clothes and dressed themselves at the glass, and skipped about as if they were eager to begin dancing. But the youngest said, I don't know how it is. While you are so happy, I feel uneasy. I am sure some mischance will befall us. You simpleton, said the eldest, You are always afraid. Have you forgotten how many king's sons have already watched in vain? And as for this soldier, even if I had gotten him his sleeping draught, he would already sleep soundly enough. When they were all ready, they went and looked at the soldier, but he snored on and did not stir hand or foot so they were thought they were quite safe. And the eldest went up to her own bed and clapped her hands. And the bed sank into the floor and a trap door flew open. The soldiers saw them going down through the trap door, one after another, the eldest leading the way. And thinking he had no time to lose, he jumped up, put on the cloak, which the old woman had given him, and followed them. But in the middle of the stairs, he trod on the gown of the youngest princess, and she cried out to her sisters, "'All is not right. Someone took hold of my gown.' "'You silly creature,' said the eldest. "'It is nothing but a nail in the wall.' Then down they all went, and at the bottom they found themselves... In a most delightful grove of trees. And the leaves were all silver and glittered and sparkled beautifully. The soldier wished to take away some of the token of the place. So he broke a little branch and there came a loud noise from the tree. Then the youngest daughter said again, I'm sure all is not right. Did you not hear that noise? That never happened before, but the elder said, It is only our princes who are shouting for joy at our approach. Then they came to another grove of trees, where all the leaves were of gold, and afterwards to a third, where the leaves were all glittering diamonds. And the soldier broke a branch from each, and every time there was a loud noise, which made the youngest sister tremble with fear. But the eldest still said, It was only the princess who were crying for joy. So they went on till they came to a great lake, and at the side of the lake lay twelve little boats with twelve handsome princes in them, who seemed to be waiting there for the princesses. One of the princesses went into the boat, and the soldier stepped into the same boat with the youngest. As they were rowing over the lake, the prince who was in the boat with the youngest princess, and the soldier said, I do not know why it is, but though I am rowing with all my might, we do not get on so fast as usual. I am quite tired, and the boat seems very heavy today. It is only the heat of the weather, said the princess. I feel it very warm, too. On the other side of the lake stood a fine illuminated castle, from which came the merry music of horns and trumpets. There, they all landed and went into the castle, and each prince danced with his princesses, and the soldier, who was all time visible, danced with them, too. And when any of the princesses had a cup of wine set by her, he drank it up so that when she cut the cup away to her mouth, it was empty. At this too, the youngest sister was terribly frightened, but the eldest always silenced her. They danced on till three o'clock in the morning, and then all their shoes were worn out so that they were obliged to leave off. The princes rowed back again over the lake, but this time the soldier placed himself in the boat with the eldest princess. And on the opposite shore, they took leave of each other, the princesses promising to come again the next night. When they came to the stairs, the soldier ran on before the princesses and laid himself down, as the twelve sisters slowly came up very much tired. They heard him snoring in bed, so they said, Now all is quite safe. Then they undressed themselves, put away their fine clothes, pulled off their shoes, and went to bed. In the morning, the soldiers said nothing about what happened, but determined to see more of this strange adventure, and went again The second and third night. And everything happened just as before. The princesses danced each time till their shoes were worn to pieces and then returned home. However, on the third night, the soldier carried away one of the gold cups as a token where he had been. As soon as the time came to declare the secret, he was taken before the king with the three branches in the golden cup and the twelve princesses stood listening before the door to hear what he would say and the king asked him where do my twelve daughters sleep at night and dance at night he answered with twelve princesses in a castle underground and then he told the king all that had happened, and showed him the three branches in the golden cup which he had brought with him. Then the king called for the princesses, and asked them whether that the soldier was true. And when they saw all the, that he had discovered, and that it was no use to deny what had happened, they confessed it all. And the king asked the soldier which of them he would choose for his wife. And he answered, I am not very young, so I will have the eldest. And they were married that very day, and the soldier was chosen to be the king's heir. The End. Welcome back to the I Love Sleep Podcast. Today, we're going to be reading another cherished fairy tale together, Cinderella. Once there was a gentleman who married, for his second wife, the proudest woman that he had ever seen. She had, by a former husband, two daughters of her own, who were, indeed, exactly like her in all things. He had likewise, by another wife, a young daughter, but of unparalleled goodness and sweetness of temper, which he took from her mother, who was the best in the world. No sooner were the ceremonies of the wedding over, but the stepmother began to show herself in her true colours. She could not bear the good qualities of this pretty girl, and lest because they made her own daughters appear, the more angry. She employed her in meanest work of the house. She scoured the dishes, and the tables, and cleaned Madame Chamber and those of Mrs. Her Daughters. She leapt in a tiny bed on a wretched straw mat, while her sister slept in fine rooms, with floors all inlaid on beds of the very newest fashion, and where they had looking-glasses so large that they could see themselves at full length from head to foot. The poor girl bore it all patiently and dared not to tell her father who would have scolded her, for his wife governed him entirely. When she had done her work, she used to go to the chimney corner and sit there in the cinders and ashes, which caused her to be named Cinderella. However, Cinderella, notwithstanding her coarse apparel, was a hundred times more beautiful than her sisters, although they were always dressed very richly. It happened that the king's son gave a ball and invited all persons of fashion to it. Our young misses were also invited for they cut a very grand figure among those of quality. They were mightily delighted at this invitation, and wonderfully busy in selecting the gowns, petticoats, and hairdressing that would have best become them. This was a new difficulty for Cinderella, for it was she who ironed her sister's linen and pleated their ruffles. They talked all day long of nothing but how they should be dressed. For my part, said the eldest, I will wear my red velvet suit with French trimming. And I, said the youngest, shall have my usual petticoat, but make amends to that, for I will put on my gold-flowered cloak and my diamond, diamond stomacher, which is far from the most ordinary one in the world. They send for the best hairdresser they could get, and make up the headpieces and adjust their hairdos, and they had red brushes and patches from Mademoiselle de la Poche. They also consulted Cinderella in all these matters, for she had excellent ideas, and her advice was always good. Indeed, she even offered her services to fix their hair, which they willingly accepted. As she was doing this, they said to her, Cinderella, would you not like to go to the ball?" Alas, said she, you would only make fun of me. It is not for such as I am to go such a place. You are quite right, they replied. It would, be, it would make the people laugh to see someone like you at a ball. Anyone but Cinderella would have fixed their hair very bad, but she was very good and dressed them perfectly well. They were so excited that they hadn't eaten the thing for almost two days. Then they broke more than a dozen laces, trying to find themselves laced up tightly enough to give them a fine slender shape. They were continually in front of their looking glass. At last, the happy day came. They went to court, and Cinderella followed them with her eyes as long as she could. When she lost sight of them, she started to cry. Her godmother, who saw her in all tears, asked her what was the matter. I wish I could, I wish I could. She was not able to speak the rest, being interrupted by her tears and sobbing. This godmother of hers, who was a fairy, said to her, You wish that you could go to a mall, is it not so? Yes, cried Cinderella with a great sigh. Well, said her godmother, be a good girl, and I will contrive that you shall go. Then she took her into her chamber and said to her, Run into the garden and bring me a pumpkin. Cinderella went immediately to gather the finest that she could get and bring it to her godmother. Not being able to imagine how this pumpkin could help her go to the ball, her godmother scooped out the inside of all of it, leaving nothing but the rind. Having done this, she struck the pumpkin with her wand and it was instantly turned into a fine coach, gilded all over with gold. She then went up to look into her mouse trap. Where she found six little mice all alive and ordered cinderella to lift up the little trap door she gave each mouse as it went out a little tap with her wand and the mouse that was a moment turned into a fine horse which altogether made a very fine set of six horses and a beautiful mouse colored gray being at a loss for a coachman cinderella said I will go and see if there is not a rat in the rat trap that we can turn into a coachman. You are right," replied her godmother. "Go and look." Cinderella brought the trap to her, and in it there were three huge rats. The fairy chose the one which had the largest beard, touched him with her wand, and turned him into a fat, jolly coachman who had the smartest whiskers that the eyes ever beheld. After that. She said to her, Go again into the garden, and you will find six lizards behind the watering pot. Bring them to me. She had no sooner done so, but her godmother had turned them into six footmen, who skipped up immediately behind the coach, with their liveries all bedecked in gold and silver, and clung as close behind each other as if had done nothing else their whole lives their fairy then said to cinderella well you see here an equipage fit to go to the ball with are you not pleased with it oh yes she cried but must i go in these nasty rags?" her grandmother touched her with her wand and at the same instant her clothes turned into a cloth of gold and silver all beset with jewels this done she gave her a player of glass slippers the prettiest in the whole world being thus decked out she got up into her coach but her godmother above all things commanded her not to stay past midnight telling her at the same time that if she stayed one moment longer the coach would be a pumpkin again her horses mice her coachman a rat her footman lizards and that her clothes would become just as they were before. She promised her godmother to leave the ball before midnight and then drove away, scarcely able to contain herself for joy. The king's son, who was told that a great princess whom nobody knew had arrived and ran out to receive her, he gave her his hand as she alighted from the coach and led her into the hall among all the company. There was an immediately a profound silence. Everyone stopped dancing and the violin ceased to play. So entranced was everyone with the singular beauties of the unknown newcomer. Nothing was then heard but a confused noise of how beautiful she is, how beautiful she is. The king himself, old as he was, could not help watching her and telling the queen softly that it was a long time that he had seen such much beauty and lovingness in a person. All the ladies were busied in considering their clothes and headdresses, hoping to save some next day after the same pattern, provided they could find such materials and able hands to make them. The king's son led her to the most honorable seat and afterwards took her out to dance with him. She danced so very gracefully that they all more and more admired her. A fine meal was served up, but the young prince ate not a morsel, so intently was he busied in gazing on her. She went and sat down by her sisters, showing them a thousand civilities giving them the oranges and citrons which the prince had presented her with, which very much surprised them, for they did not know her. While Cinderella was thus amusing her sisters, she heard the clock strike eleven and three-quarters, whereupon she immediately made a courtsey to the company and hurried away as fast as she could. Arriving home, she ran to seek out her godmother, and, having thanked her, she said she could not but heartily wish she might go to the ball the next day as well because the king's son had invited her as she was eagerly telling her godmother everything that had happened at the ball her two sisters knocked at the door which cinderella ran and opened you stayed such a long time she cried rubbing her eyes and stretching herself as if she had been sleeping she had not however had any manner of inclination to sleep while they were away from home. If you had been at the ball, said one of her sisters, you would not have been tired with it. The finest prince was there, the most beautiful that mortal eyes have ever seen. She showed us a thousand civilities and gave us oranges and citrons. Cinderella seemed very indifferent in the matter. Indeed, she asked them the name of that princess, but they told her they did not know it, and that the king's son was very uneasy on her account, and would give all the world to know who she was. At this, Cinderella, smiling, replied, She must, then, be very beautiful, indeed. How happy you have been. Could not I see her? Ah, dear Charlotte, do then be your yellow dress, which you wear every day. yes. To be sure, cried Charlotte, "Led my clothes to such a dirty person as you are. I should be such a fool. Cinderella, indeed, well expected such an answer and was very glad of the refusal, for she would have had sadly put into it if her sister had lent her what she'd asked for. The next day, the two sisters were at the ball, and so was Cinderella, but dressed even more magnificently than before. The king's son was always by her, and never ceased his compliments and kind speeches to her. All this was so far to being tiresome to her. And indeed, she quite forgot what her grandmother told her. She thought that it was no later than eleven when she counted the clock striking twelve. She jumped up and fled, as nimble as a deer. The prince followed, but he could not overtake. She left behind one of the glass slippers, which the prince picked up most carefully. She reached home but quite out of breath, and in her nasty old clothes, having nothing left of all her refinery, but one of the little slippers, the maid to the one that she had dropped. The guards at the palace gate were asked if they had not seen a princess go out. They replied that they had seen nobody leave but a young girl, very shabbily dressed, and who had more the air of a poor country person than a gentlewoman. When the two sisters returned from the ball, Cinderella asked if they had been well entertained, and if the fine lady had been there. They told her yes, but she had hurried away immediately when it struck twelve, and with so much haste she had dropped one of the little glass slippers, the prettiest in the world, which the king's son had picked up that he had done nothing but look at her all the time in the ball, and that that was most certainly he was much in love with the beautiful person who owned the glass slipper. What they had said was very true, for a few days later the king's son had it proclaimed, by sound of trumpet, that he would marry for whose foot the slipper would just fit. They began to try it on the princesses, then the duchess and all the court, but in vain, was brought to the two sisters, who did all they possibly could to force their foot in the slipper, but they did not succeed. Cinderella, who saw all of this and knew that it was her slipper, said to them, laughing, let me see if it will not fit me. Her sisters burst out laughing and began to banter with her. The gentleman who was sent to try the slipper looked earnestly at Cinderella finding her very handsome, so that it was only just that she would try it as well, and that he had orders to let everyone try. He had Cinderella sit down and, putting the slipper to her foot, she found that it went on very easily, fitting her as if she had been made of wax. Her two sisters were greatly astonished, but then even more so, when Cinderella pulled out of her pocket the other slipper and putting it on her other foot. Then in came her godmother and touched her wand to Cinderella's clothes, making them richer and more magnificent than any of those she had worn before. And now her two sisters found her to be that fine, beautiful lady whom they had seen at the ball. They threw themselves at her feet to beg pardon for the ill-treatment they had made her undergo. Cinderella took them up as she embraced them, and said that she forgave them with all her heart, and wanted to love them all the way. She was taken to the young prince, dressed as she was. He thought she was more charming than before, and a few days after, married her. Cinderella, who was no less good than beautiful, gave her sisters lodgings in the place. In the very same day, match them with two great lords of the court. The end. Hello, and welcome to the I Love Sleep podcast. As some of us head back to school, Today I'm going to be sharing a personal story called The Routine. Let's call the main character A. In the morning, A wakes up as the sun starts to shine through their window. A feels very happy about today, as today is their first day of school. They are so excited to learn about so many new things, meet new friends, and enjoy the most of school. A decides to start by brushing their teeth so they have a healthy, clean smile. Then they decide to take a shower. This is all part of A's morning routine. A feels very happy that they have a routine to stick to as They know exactly what to do in the morning, and they are most productive with their time. A decides to go get changed for school. They decide to pick a beautiful blue skirt and some beautiful shoes that they are going to wear. These were gifts from A's family. And whenever A wears them, they feel very happy. So A decides to go eat some breakfast before going on the bus to school. That way, They have the energy from the food to start the school day. Before getting on the bus to go to school, A forgets their backpack. Their backpack has a lot of important school papers in it. And while it is the first day of school, A had a lot of papers from last year that they could not clean out just yet. So A brings their backpack and their lunch and is ready to board the bus. A says goodbye to their parents and hops on the bus. It is a 20-minute bus ride from A's house to the school. A is thinking about all the fun things that they'll do on the first day of school while on the bus ride. A can't wait to meet their friends that they haven't seen the entire summer. And are excited to meet their new teacher. Who A heard was really nice. As the bus pulls up to the school, A feels some nostalgia remembering from three months ago the beautiful school that A walked out of to start the summer. A remembers the beautiful classrooms and all the smiling, friendly faces as they walk in the school. A meets up with a friend. They're super happy to see each other because, as I mentioned previously, they hadn't seen each other in quite some time. As they were walking through the halls, they talked about all the many things they did during the summer break. A talked about the camping trip that their family went on. And their friend talked about going to the movies many different times. was almost at their classroom. Classroom number 20. As they walked into the classroom, they met their teacher. Their teacher was with a very happy face and greeted them as they walked in. They were very excited to see where they would be sitting. They were sitting in the very front row, so they took their seats and sat down. On the desk was a pencil, an eraser, some paper, some colourful pencils, a book, and some more tiny toys. They realized that they were a gift from their teacher, and smiled. At 9am, the teacher began class. They said, welcome to everyone, and began to write on the chalkboard. They talked about the wonderful things that this year would bring, including the many field trips, the many fun activities, and the many spirit days at the school. A was obviously very excited for this, as they had been waiting to experience all the many fun things. So. A put on a big smiling face. After that, they all decided to play a game where A got to know all of their classmates. While A knew some of them previously, A got to meet and make a lot more friends. It was a great experience. After that, A was directed to the next class, which was music. They decided to go to the music room, where A finally got to pick out a new music instrument. A chose the trumpet, because A thought it was cool of how the trumpet was used in so many important things. So when A tried to play the trumpet, it was quite amusing because A had obviously not played the trumpet before. So everyone was kind of laughing to themselves, but it was okay because A was very happy about it as well. After music, A went to gym class. They were very interested about gym as well because they had the opportunity to try out for the junior team for soccer, something they had been waiting anxiously for, for a long time. A went to see what the requirements were to try out for the soccer team and everything was good. So, A asked the coach, when can I try out for the soccer team? The coach said, the practices for the tryout will start tomorrow at 6 a.m. A was surprised at how early they were, but decided it was okay because they were really happy about The soccer team. After that, they went to their final class of the day, and that was art. A, just like in the all other courses of the day, A felt very happy about art. On their desk, A received colorful pencils, paint, a paintbrush, and many other art supplies. The art teacher was very happy to see A, as A was an excellent student in their class. So the art teacher explained all the different types of art they will be creating this year. And A was very excited. After this, A started to reflect as A walked down the school halls, A thought about all the wonderful things they had done today at school. They were so excited to see what the rest of the school year would bring, and they decided to always have a smiling face while walking into school because school made them so happy. As A walked on the bus, sat down, and the bus driver started to take them home, A thought about what they were going to be doing tomorrow, and that brought a smile to their face. As A got off the bus and walked to their home, A's parents greeted A and said, How was your day? A responded with a very big smile, saying, It was a great day. sharing an original story called A Very Fun Day when Emily woke up from her bed she realized that something was quite strange she looked to the left and she looked to the right she could quite point out what was strange. Suddenly, she looked up and saw tons and tons of balloons falling from the top of the room to the bottom. She was a bit surprised. Why are there so many balloons surrounding me? Emily asked. Suddenly, her mom and her brother ran into the room and shouted surprise in a very loud voice, almost enough to scare Emily. She said, a surprise for what? It isn't my birthday. The brother said, we know, we just wanted to surprise you with a very fun day. So the mom explained where the family was going to go. And they all got in the car, making sure they had everything they needed have a very fun day they started by going to the museum there's a brand new exhibit about dinosaurs that just opened up at the museum Emily loved the dinosaurs was always very fascinated about their life And about the dinosaur bones, so she was presently surprised to see all the wonderful activities the museum had to offer. They spent quite a long time discovering all the activities and exhibits at the museum. They learned so much about the human body, space, animals, plants, and a lot more, but alas, they had to go as they could not spend their entire day at the museum. Next, they walked to the very big sports center in their city. Today was a very exciting game between two, local baseball teams and everyone in the city came to watch. Emily sat there and thought, wow, did everyone really come to watch this baseball game? Well, not everyone did, but there were so many people that Emily did think that the entire city showed up. It was a very exhilarating match in the end the team of her city won the game by a very close margin everyone who was supporting the team was very happy as it exited the sports center emily and her brother felt a bit hungry so They asked their mom if they could go get something to eat. Luckily, there was an ice cream shop located very close to the sports center. And because they were very hungry, Emily's mom decided to allow them to go. They went and got a very big ice cream filled with loads and loads of sprinkles, candy, and other sweets. They were so happy, but it was a lot of sugar, so they were very filled with energy. After that, they decided to go walk towards a stall full of games on the pier. This was a very common attraction in the city, as the games were very hard to win, and people have tried to win the big prizes for years and years, however they have failed. So Emily and her brother thought today was the day to try and win a big prize. They stepped up to the game, picked up the ball, and threw it perfectly into the jar. And in order to win the game, the ball has to go inside the jar and not fall out. Therefore, Emily had just won the game. She was so happy and gave her brother a big hug. They had just won a game that was very hard to win in the city and was very much known as a local legend. They received a big prize, which was a giant teddy bear and struggled to carry it as they walked towards the car finding a place for it so they could continue walking. Next up on their list of things to do was to head to the theme park. Emily always loved going to theme parks because she loved riding on all the big roller coasters. However, Her brother was not that interested in going on the big rides so she went on the tallest roller coaster while her brother and mom went on the smaller rides. They both had an equally enjoyable time and Emily bought a picture of herself at the top of the roller coaster. She made such a silly face while going up to the top and had to keep the photo as a memory. They all decided to now go to the art museum, which was something that was very unknown within the city because of how old the art museum was. Now there was something quite fascinating about the art museum. It used to be a very big school but after the school closed they didn't know what to do however they had so many beautiful paintings and decided to make a local art museum along with the art museum is a very historic library filled with many different books from long long ago Emily decided to go into the library first. She found a very fascinating book about the story of a girl who had a wonderful adventure, sailing through the seas and visiting many different places. She decided to sit down and read the book. She hadn't even noticed that the time slipped away And it was soon coming to the nighttime. And they had to leave the art museum soon. So they scrambled to finish looking through the entire museum and promptly went outside. To end off their day, they decided to go. To a very famous restaurant in the city. It was known for their live music and their tasty food. Now, this restaurant also had a bit of a secret. They had a menu completely separate to the one that was shown to the guests. And this menu You could see a wonderful amount of different, unique dishes. So, Emily asked the chef, Can I take a look at the other menu? They said with a big smile, Of course you can. And Emily looked at the menu. And she decided on getting a very interesting sandwich. The sandwich had a lot of unique ingredients, such as different types of condiments, And it was very unique to everyone in the restaurant because of the types of ingredients. The city was located in a very rural area, so there was not much of ingredients in the city because of its location. So whenever there were these new ingredients, everyone was really fascinated to try them. These delicious spices were brought in from all over the world. And when Emily tried the sandwich, she was so happy because the sandwich tasted really good she had never tasted these delicious spices and flavors before it tasted a little bit spicy a little bit salty a little bit sweet and a little bit sour but it re- tasted really good Emily later asked the chef, do you know what the name of the sandwich is? They said back to Emily, this sandwich is called Imagination because it has so many different flavors. No one really has a name for it. Emily was so delighted to hear this, and as they were leaving the restaurant, she pondered more and more about the sandwich, but they didn't have too much time to think. As they went back to their car, they were thinking about so many other things from all the different adventures they had today that they started to forget about the sandwich but it hadn't slipped Emily's mind. Everyone was talking about their most fun experience of the day. The mom said that she really enjoyed going to the art museum. Emily's brother claimed that he really enjoyed going to the sports center, but Emily couldn't pick exactly what was her favorite thing to do today. So, they all got in the car, and as they were driving home, Emily had a big smile on her face as she looked at the window and said four words. What a great day. Hello, and welcome back to the I Love Sleep podcast. Today, we are going to be reading another handmade story about Michelle and her journey through an unexpected neighborhood park. This is the story of the Autumn Walk. Michelle always loved the autumn season. Whether it was the thought of Halloween or Thanksgiving or simply seeing the colors change on the leaves outside the many trees are located, Michelle just truly loved the season. This year, Michelle promised that she would go outside and go for an autumn walk every single day to truly experience all of the wonders of autumn. However, today, Michelle wanted to try something different. She usually took the same route to go walking. She would exit her house and then walk straight all the way to where the shops were located. However, there was another route. Not many people took this route, so it was often very quiet. However, because it was such a beautiful day, the sun was shining, and it was quite cool, but it wasn't very cold outside, she decided to go on that route. So, Michelle put on a coat, a hat, and she took some gloves just in case it got a little bit chilly outside. Her phone and some headphones so she could listen to some music and began her walking outside. But as she started walking down the other route, She noticed something, something she hadn't seen there before, and that was an old store. Now there were plenty of shops around the location where Michelle lived, but she hadn't seen this shop before. She decided to go inside and take a look. Maybe she could find a gift for somebody, or maybe something that she'd really love. Michelle went inside the store and was pleasantly surprised to find so many beautiful gifts related to the theme of autumn. And as previously mentioned, Michelle loves the season of autumn, so she was really happy to notice all the little trinkets that were located across the store. There were hats, some clothes some toys, books, anything you can think of. And it was all Autumn related. She was so happy that she bought some hats and some clothes and a few other things. The shopkeeper said, you really must love Autumn. And Michelle smiled. Yes, I really love this season of Autumn. Michelle exited the store with a big smile on her face. She then began walking some more down the long path. And as she walked, she could see the leaves falling from the trees as the sun shone down. It was such a beautiful feeling that she wanted to stop and take a picture. She brought her phone, but there was no one to take the picture. However, she found a lovely old couple that were sitting on the bench nearby and asked if they could take her picture. She stood right in front of the tree and smiled. They took a photo, and as she looked at it, she wanted to keep this as a memory of all the wonderful things that happened during the season of autumn. Now, Michelle kept walking and walking down the path. Every step she took, something wonderful was to be found. There were so many unique animals, different birds, different mammals, different flowers. She was so excited because she hadn't seen any of this on the other path. She thought to herself, because this path may be more nature focused, there wasn't a lot of shops, so there was a lot more animals and flowers. But on the other path, there was a lot more buildings, so there wasn't as much types of animals. It all made sense, but she tried not to think of all the details, because she just wanted to continue walking with a big smile on her face. And she kept walking, and she stopped, because something was rustling in the bushes. She came closer and she found that there was a dog in the bushes, and the dog happened to be lost. She was quite sad at the news of this because it was such an amazing dog that she felt bad for the person who had lost it. So she took the dog with her and they continued walking. They kept walking and walking and Michelle's face and the dog's face were continually happy as they spotted so many different things as they were walking. Finally, they came to a dip In the path. Now, because Michelle had not taken this route before, she didn't know about the dips in the path, so she did not know what was beyond there. But because of her curiosity, she decided to venture through, and she found something so magnificent that she almost started to cry out of joy. After the dip, she found so many tiny shops, lined up across a row on one side of the road. They were all smiling and laughing outside, and everyone was having a wonderful time. There was hot chocolate, apple cider, Pumpkins, and so much more fall themed and autumn themed items. There was a special event, she was told. It was called the Autumn Fest, and all the local businesses were dressing up in autumn themed clothing and selling autumn themed products. And there was also live music and entertainment. Michelle was so surprised by this because she didn't know about this happening before. She thought to herself, wow, I was so used to going on the other path that I didn't even notice all the wonderful things that are happening on the other routes. If I didn't take this road, I probably would never have found out about the Uninfest. So, Michelle decided to walk through the street, exploring all the many different shops. There was a beautiful bakery with many delicious types of cookies and cakes. There was a store full with many different types of artwork, from sculpture to painting. There was a store for pets, where Misselle decided to buy her new friend dog, a brand new dog bone and some treats. The dog was very happy about this because it seemed that the dog was very hungry. And each store that Michelle passed by, the owners would wave and say hello. They were in such a happy spirit and Michelle felt so happy while walking by. Suddenly, someone came running behind Michelle. It was a young man and he claimed that he had lost his dog. Michelle was so happy to see the owner of the dog, and the dog barked with delight as the owner came close. She happily returned his dog to him and gave some treats and the toy. The owner thanked Michelle so much for finding his dog. And Michelle just felt very happy that she could help. Michelle continued to walk until she reached the end of the street. And then she decided to turn back and started walking home because she had reached the end of the path. But she thought to herself, I learned so much wonderful Things as I was walking here. I saw so many wonderful things. I smelled some wonderful things. I tasted some wonderful things. And it just made me so happy. These thoughts were filling Michelle's head as she started to turn back. And suddenly, she saw a sign on one of the doors. Behind the store, it says adventure is everywhere. Michelle smiled. She knew this was true, and she couldn't wait for all the wonderful adventures she was going to experience the next day, and the day after that, and the many weeks, months, and years to come. Annam brought out some of the best things that she can experience, and it truly made Michelle feel so happy. Michelle smiled, started walking back with the thought of adventure and new discoveries in her mind. Welcome back to the I Love Sleep Podcast. In honor of Halloween, which is just around the corner, today I'm going to be reading three spooky stories. Our first story is called The Scarecrow. Every year, My dad puts out scarecrows in our fields because he thinks they're effective in not only keeping the crows out, but evil spirits as well. I guess he's a little superstitious. The scarecrows he sets out are the same ones, year after year. After so much wear and tear, they were showing signs that they were broken. This October started out just like any October. The weather was turning cool and the leaves were beginning to change into brilliant orange and yellow colors. One Saturday, us kids got together and decided to make a new scarecrow. Being creative, we gathered our supplies and got to work. This scarecrow was to be different. This was my special design. I wanted a creepy scarecrow, much scarier than the others. Hours later, we finished up. Indeed, he was the ugliest, most frightening scarecrow I've ever seen. I was so proud. Mom called us for supper, so we planted the scarecrow out in the cornfield, where I could see it from my bedroom window. Not giving it any more thought, we went in and ate. Soon, the wind picked up and it began lightning. No storm was forecasted, but it looked like we were in for a rough night. Light rain began falling as I went to bed. I was worried about my new scarecrow, so I peeked out the window. What I saw shocked me. He was there all right but not where we had placed him. It appeared to me that he was several feet to the right. Puzzled, I stood at the window and watched intently. The lightning was bright, and every time it flashed, I could see my scarecrow. The problem was, it looked as if he was moving when the sky was dark, only to turn up in another spot when the sky lit up. Thinking that I must be imagining things, I put my pajamas on and went to bed. Later on, a loud crack of thunder woke me up. By now, the rain was pounding in, making it difficult to see out my window. I slipped on my shoes and snuck outside to check on the scarecrow. Not sure where he was, I walked around in the thunderstorm, half blinded by the cold, stinging rain. Clumsily, I stumbled over a fallen branch and fell face down in a patch of mud. When I looked up, there was my scarecrow glaring down at me. His eyes were huge and glowing red. I couldn't pick myself fast enough. I ran screaming to the house and never looked back. After tossing and turning the rest of the night, I woke up to bright sunshine and the smell of bacon. Not wanting to tell my parents what had happened, I sat quietly and ate breakfast. Anxious and apprehensive, I then went outside to look around. My dad was already looking for damage to the buildings, but I was looking for my scarecrow. I could see the other scarecrows, all in their usual places, but my scarecrow was nowhere to be found. Full of confusion, I began crying. Not because of losing the scarecrow, but because of pure fear. My father told me that he probably blew away and would be discovered in a field during harvest. I knew better. Somehow, someway, that scarecrow came alive. How? I don't know. Years have passed, and to this day, I've never seen my scarecrow again. What happened that stormy night? Do scarecrows really keep out evil spirits, or that can they be possessed by one? I don't live on that farm anymore, but I've never ventured outside during a thunderstorm again. Our next story is called the 50 cents. There once was a story about a couple returning home from a trip in New England. They were driving home in a carriage and somewhere near the town, the carriage broke and they knew they would have to seek shelter for the night. The husband spied a light through the trees and turned their horse into a small lane leading up to a hill. A pleasant little house stood at the end, and an old man and his wife met the couple at the door. They were in nightclothes and obviously were about to turn in, but welcomed the travelers in and offered them a room. The old woman made tea and offered freshly baked cakes. Then the travelers were shown to their room. The husband wanted to pay the old couple for. Their accommodation but the old lady shook her head and the old man refused any payment for such a small service to their fellow travelers the travelers awoke early and tiptoed out of the house leaving a shiny 50 cent coin in the center of the kitchen table where the old couple could not miss it the husband got the horse and they weren't a few miles before They broke down at a little restaurant in the town. The husband mentioned the nice old couple to the owner of the restaurant and the man turned pale. Where did you say the house was? He asked. The husband described the location in detail. You must be mistaken, said the restaurant owner. That house was destroyed three years ago by a fire that killed the family. I don't believe it, the husband said. They were alive and well last night. After debating for a few more minutes, the couple and the restaurant owner drove the carriage back out of the town towards the house. They turned into a lane which was overgrown with weeds and climbed the hill. They found out that a burned shell of a house that had obviously not sheltered anyone for a long time. I must have missed the track said the husband. But then his wife gave a terrified scream and fainted into his arms. As he caught her, the husband looked into the ruins and saw a burnt table with a shiny 50 cent coin lying in the center. And our final story is called The Magic Castle. There was a woman who lived in a remote village in the countryside. Every evening, she took her dog for a walk in the forest. One evening, they strayed off the path and came to an area that was completely unfamiliar to her. From a distance, she saw the old ruins of a stone wall, and there was something green on it. As she walked closer to the wall, She was able to make out a message written in a green layer of glowing slime. It read, Do not go to the magic castle at midnight. She had heard rumors of a magic castle in the forest. The villagers told scary stories about the castle and claimed that it was haunted. The woman was very curious and wondered what could be in the castle. And why would someone write a message warning people to not go there? Her curiosity got the better of her and she decided to visit the castle that very night. Shortly before midnight, the woman arrived at a clearing in the woods, and in front of her stood the magic castle. It looked old and dilapidated. Even from the outside, it smelled of damp, mold, and rotting wood. On the door there was another message in the green letters. It read, Do not enter. She reached out and touched the front door. It opened with a loud and ominous creak. The woman walked into the hallway. On the floor she saw a painting of a skull. Beside it. In slimy, green letters was the message, do not go one step further. The woman was overcome by curiosity and paid no attention to the warning. She just kept right on walking until she came to a staircase that led up to the next level. On the bottom step, there was another warning sign written in the same green letters. It read, Do not go up these stairs. Naturally, the woman paid no attention to the warning and started walking up the stairs. The steps were made of wood, and they creaked terribly at every footfall. When she reached the top, the woman found herself in front of a large oak door. There was yet another warning on it, written in the same green slime. It read, do not open this door. And what did the woman do? She opened the door, very slowly and gently. She pushed the door and it creaked open, inch by inch. Then she stood in a dark room. She couldn't see anything. As her eyes adjusted to the darkness, she saw, A large green coffin box in the middle of the room. It glowed with a greenish hue. Once again, she saw a warning in green slime. It read, Do not open this coffin. The woman wondered what would be in the coffin. Slowly, she pushed the heavy lid of the coffin to the side. Filled with the excitement and dread, She looked inside and saw. Well, she saw something that no one will ever know. Have a very happy Halloween. Today we are going to be reading a cherished fairy tale called Little Red Riding Hood. Once upon a time there lived on the borders of a great forest a woodman and his wife who had one little daughter, a sweet kind child whom everyone loved. She was the joy of her mother's heart and to please her the good woman made her a little scarlet cloak and hood, and the child looked so pretty in it that everyone called her Little Red Riding Hood. One day, her mother told her she meant to send her to her grandmother, a very old woman who lived in the heart of the woods, to take her some fresh butter and new-laid eggs, and a nice cake. Little Red Riding Hood was very pleased to be sent on this errand, for she liked to do kind things, and it was so very long since she had seen her grandmother that she had almost forgotten what she had looked like. The sun was shining brightly, but it was not too warm under the shade of the old trees. And Red Riding Hood sang with glee as she gathered a great bunch of wildflowers to give to her grandmother. She sang so sweetly that a dove flew down from the tree and followed her. Now it happened that a wolf, a very cruel, greedy creature, heard her song also and longed to eat her for his breakfast. But he knew Hugh, the woodman, was at work very near with his great dog and feared they would be right next to Red Riding Hood if she cried out, or if he frightened her, and then they would kill him. So he came up to her very gently and said, Good day, little Red Riding Hood. Where are you going? To see my grandmother, said the child, and take her present from mother of eggs and butter and cake. Where does your grandma live? asked the wolf. Quite in the middle of the woods, she replied. Oh, I think I know that house. Good day, Riding Hood. And the wolf ran off as fast as he could. Little Red Riding Hood was not in a hurry and there were many things that would amuse her in the woods. She ran after the white and yellow butterflies that danced before her, and sometimes she caught one, but she always let it go, for she never liked to hurt any creature. And then there were the merry little squirrels to watch cracking nuts on the branches of old trees. And every now and then, a rabbit would hurry away through the tall ferns. Or a great bee would come buzzing near her, and she would stop to watch it gathering honey from the flowers and wild thyme. So she went on very slowly. By and by, she saw Hugh, the woodman, ''Where are you going, Little Red Riding Hood?'' said. he. ''All alone?'' ''I am going to my grandma's,'' said the child. ''Good day. I must make haste now, for it grows late.'' While Little Red Riding Hood was at play in the woods, the great wolf galloped on as fast as he could to the old woman's house. Grandmother lived all by herself, but once or twice a day, a neighbor's child came to tidy her house and get her food. Now Grandmother was very sick and often kept at her bed, and it happened that she was in the bed the day Little Red Riding Hood went to see her. When the wolf reached the cottage door, he tapped. Who is there? asked the grandmother. Little Red Riding Hood, Granny," said the wolf, trying to speak like the child. "'Come in, my dear," said the old lady, who was a little deaf. "'Pull the string, and the latch will come up.'" The wolf did as she told him, went in, and you may think how frightened poor grandmother was when she saw him standing by her bed instead of Little Red Riding Hood. Very soon the wolf, who was quite hungry after his run, ate up poor grandmother. Indeed, she was not sweet enough for his breakfast, so he thought he would eat Red Riding Hood also. Therefore, he dressed himself in Granny's nightcap and got into bed, and waited for the child to knock at the door. He waited a long time. By and by, Little Red Riding Hood reached her grandmother's house and tapped on the door. "'Come in,' said the wolf in a squeaking voice. "'Pull the string and the latch will come up.' Red Riding Hood thought grandmother must have a cold. She spoke so hoarsely, but she went in at once. And there lay her granny, as she thought, in bed. If you please, Grandma, mother sends you some butter and eggs, she said. Come here, dear, said the wicked wolf, and let me kiss you, Red Riding Hood obeyed. But when Red Riding Hood saw the wolf, she felt frightened. She had nearly forgotten grandmother but she did not think she had been so ugly grandma she said what a great nose you have all the better to smell with my dear said the wolf and grandma what large ears you have all the better to hear with my dear ah grandma and what large eyes you have! All the better to see with, my dear, said the wolf, showing his teeth, for he longed to eat the child up. Oh, Grandma, and what great teeth you have, said Red Riding Hood. All the better to eat you up with, growled the wolf, and, jumping out of bed, he rushed at Red Riding Hood, and would have eaten her up. But just at that minute, the door flew open and a great dog tore him down. The wolf and the dog were still fighting when Hugh, the woodman, came in and killed the wicked wolf with his axe. Little Red Riding Hood threw her arms around the woodman Hugh's neck and kissed him and thanked him again and again Oh, you good kind Hugh, she said. How did you know the wolf was here in time to save me? Well, said Hugh, when you were gone by, I remembered that a wolf had been seen around the woods lately, and I thought I would just come after you and see if you were safe. When we came near Grandmother's house, my dog sniffed and ran to the door and whined, and then he pushed it open, you had not shut it close, and rushed in, and I followed him, and between us, we have killed the wolf. Then Hugh took the child home, and her mother and father could not thank him enough for saving little Red Hood. Love Sleep Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe, like, share, and comment. This would really help with creating more episodes in the future. Today's story is another classic fairy tale called The Three Little Pigs. Once upon a time, there were three little pigs who lived with their mother. One day, their mother told them that they were old enough to go out into the world, and make a living for themselves. She said, watch out for the big bad wolf because he will eat you. She also told them, build your houses nice and strong so that you'll be safe from the wolf. Then she said, goodbye, my sons. And good luck. The three little pigs then went their separate ways. The first little pig saw a man stacking straw. The first little pig asked the man, may I have some of that straw to build a house? The man agreed and the first little pig built this house very quickly. But it wasn't a very strong house. One day the big bad wolf came and knocked on the little pigs door and said, Little Pig, Little Pig, let me come in. And the little pig answered, No, no, I won't let you come in, not by the hair on my chinny-chin-chin. Well, said the wolf, then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house in. So he huffed, and he puffed and he blew the house down and ate the little pig. The second little pig was going along the road when he met a man stacking a big pile of sticks. The second little pig asked the man, may I have some of those sticks to build myself a house? The man gave them to him and the second little pig built his house out of sticks. Then one day, the second little pig heard a knock at his door. It was the wolf, and he said, Little pig, little pig, let me come in. The little pig said, No, no, I won't let you in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. The wolf answered, Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. Then he huffed and he puffed and he puffed and he huffed and he blew the house down and ate the little pig. The third little pig was walking down the road when he met a man with a load of bricks. The little pig asked him for enough to build a house. The man agreed, and the third little pig built a strong house of bricks. The wolf came and knocked at his door and said, Little pig, little pig, let me come in. And the pig said, No, no, I won't let you in, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Well, said the wolf, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. So he huffed, and he puffed, and he puffed, and he huffed, and he huffed, and he puffed, but he couldn't blow the house down. The frustrated wolf said, Little pig, little pig, I know where there's a nice field of turnips. The little pig asked, where? The wolf answered, at Miss Smith's farm. We can go there together tomorrow at nine o'clock." The little pig nodded and said, "'Nine o'clock, I'll be ready." The next morning, the pig got up earlier at eight o'clock, and went to Miss Smith's farm and got all the turnips so he could carry and was home again before nine. The big bad wolf came around nine o'clock sharp and asked, "'Little pig, little pig, are you ready?' But the little pig said, I've already gone to the field and gotten some turnips, but thanks anyway. This made the wolf very mad, but in a calm voice, he said, very well then, by the way, I know where there is a nice ripe apple tree. The little pig asked, where is it? The wolf answered, it's in the orchard across the field. I'll come tomorrow at 8 o'clock, and we can be ready to go pick some sweet, juicy apples. The little pig said, 8 o'clock, I'll be ready. The next morning, the little pig got up at 7 o'clock, ran to the apple tree across the field in the orchard, climbed up the tree, and started picking the apples. Suddenly, he saw the big, bad wolf coming. The sneaky wolf said, How are those apples? The pig answered, Great, here, catch one. And he threw it so far away that while the wolf was going after it, the pig jumped out of the tree and ran all the way home. Later on, the wolf came knocking and said, Little pig, little pig, there's a fair in town. Can I come by tomorrow at seven o'clock and we can go together? The pig replied, seven o'clock. I'll be ready. But the pig went to the fair earlier and bought a butter churn barrel. On his way home from the fair, he saw the big bad wolf coming out of a hill. The little pig himself in the barrel, which accidentally fell over and rolled down a hill. It rolled so fast that it scared the wolf into running away. He didn't even get to go to the fair. The little pig ran home with his churn and was safe. Later on, the wolf went to the pig's house and told him about the fast rolling barrel which had scared him. The little pig laughed out loud and said, I bought that barrel at the fair and I was inside it when it came down the hill. This made the wolf furious and he said, Little pig, that's it. I'm going to come through the chimney and eat you. But the pig made a giant fire in the fireplace and put a big pot of water on it. Just as the water started to boil, the wolf started coming down the chimney, and the little pig took the cover off the pot, and the wolf fell in. The little pig ate him for dinner, and thought to himself, I'm not so little anymore. And the pig lived happily ever after. The I Love Sleep podcast. Remember, if you like today's story, make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and share. This would really help with creating more episodes like this in the future. Today's story is another famous fairy tale. Goldilocks, and the three bears. Once upon a time, there were three bears, father bear, mother bear, and baby bear. Father bear was very big. Baby bear was very small. Mother bear was not very big and not very small she was middle-sized. The three bears lived in a little house in the forest. Every day, the bears ate porridge for breakfast. One day, Father Bear said in his deep father bear voice, our porridge is too hot. We can go and walk in the forest while it is getting cool." So the three bears went out for a walk in the forest. At the same time, somebody else was walking in the forest. A little girl with golden hair. Do you know her name? It was Goldilocks. She was called Goldilocks because her hair was the color of gold. Goldilocks saw the bear's house. She walked up the path and knocked on the door. Knock, knock, knock. There was no answer. She peeped in through the window. It looked very nice inside. So she rang the bell, but there was no answer. So do you know what Goldilocks did? Yes, she went in the bear's house. Oh, Goldilocks. Goldilocks saw the porridge on the table. There was a big bowl for Father Bear, a middle-sized bowl for Mother Bear, and a small bowl for Baby Bear. Goldilocks was very hungry. First, she tasted Father Bear's porridge but she did not like it because it was too salty. I don't like this porridge, it's too salty, Goldilocks said. Then she tasted Mother Bear's porridge, but she did not like this one at all because it was too sweet. There was too much sugar in it. I don't like this porridge, it's too sweet, Goldilocks said. Finally, she tasted Baby Bear's porridge, She said, I like this porridge. It is just right. And she ate all baby bear's porridge. Goldilocks looked around and she saw three chairs. First, she sat in Father Bear's chair, but it was too hard. She got off the chair and said, I don't like this chair. It's too hard. Next, Goldilocks sat in Mother Bear's chair, but it was too soft. She got off the chair and said, I don't like this chair either. It's too soft. And then Goldilocks sat on Baby Bear's chair, and it was just right. She said, I like this chair. It's just right. But do you know what happened? Goldilocks was too big for the chair, and the chair broke, and Goldilocks fell onto the floor. Oh dear, poor Goldilocks, and poor Baby Bear's chair. Goldilocks was tired now, and she wanted to sleep. Where was she going to sleep? Can she sleep on the table? No. Can she sleep on Baby Bear's chair? No, because it is broken. So do you know where she was going to sleep? Goldilocks looked for a bed to sleep in. She found the bedroom and there she saw three beds. Father Bear's bed was very big. Mother Bear's bed was middle-sized and Baby Bear's bed was very small. Goldilocks got onto Father Bear's bed, but it was too hard. She climbed off the bed and said, I don't like this bed. It's too hard. Next, Goldilocks got onto Mother Bear's bed, but it was too soft. She climbed off and said, i don't like this bed it is too soft and then goldilocks got onto baby bear's bed she lay down and pulled the blanket up and said i like this bed it's just right goldilocks closed her eyes and went to sleep while goldilocks was asleep the three bears came home they were hungry Father Bear looked at his bowl of porridge. He was cross and said in a deep Father Bear voice, Who's been eating my porridge? Mother Bear looked at her porridge. She was cross and said, Who's been eating my porridge? Baby Bear looked at his bowl. He was very cross and said, Who's been eating my porridge? Then he said, it's all gone. The bears looked at their chairs. Father bear said, who's been sitting on my chair? Mother bear said, who's been sitting on my chair? And Baby bear looked at his chair and said, who's been sitting in my chair? And look, it's broken. The bears went into the bedroom. Father Bear looked at his bed and said, who's been sleeping in my bed? Mother Bear looked at her bed and said, who's been sleeping in my bed? Baby Bear looked at his bed and said, who's been sleeping in my bed? He looked at it again and said, there she is. Goldilocks got such a fright, she jumped out of bed and ran to the window. She climbed out of the window and she ran and ran and ran. The three bears never saw Goldilocks again. The...